Hello and welcome to Series 5 of the Why I Knit podcast. My name is Dr Mia Hobbs and I'm a clinical psychologist who is passionate about knitting and its benefits for our mental health. Each week on the podcast I talk to a different knitter about why they knit and how knitting benefits their mental health. For the last episode of Series 5, I'm delighted to be joined by Catherine Vasillo, who is a writer and crafter who writes about the intersection of craft and mental health. It's important to be aware that in this conversation, Catherine talks about her own experiences of depression and also talks about the loss of a friend by suicide. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. <laughs> um, so I always start with asking um, where your story with knitting began, but I know your story is mainly with crochet or with craft more generally. So I'd love to hear where that started for you. Sure. Um, yes, I know how to knit. I also do a little bit of uh, loom weaving, but mostly I crochet. So mm-hmm. that started way, 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 way back. Um, as a kid, my mom taught me just the super basics. I remember learning how to chain. And I think she might have taught me granny squares, although I don't remember for sure. And it was just kind of a big, you know, just a just a thing I did for a little bit and then didn't do for a very long time. And then when I was in my mid-20s, I went through a really serious bout of um, depression. And I didn't even know that that's exactly what it was at the time. I wasn't diagnosed, but I was just, I kept trying to find something to make myself feel better. And I read somewhere or heard somewhere um, the tip to remember what you liked to do when you were about 10 years old. And I like remembered crochet. Among other things, like I did all kinds of arts and crafts things as a kid. I made friendship bracelets and, you know, notebooks and wrote stories. But I, for whatever reason, I remembered crochet and I decided to learn again. So it was in my mid to late 20s that I picked it up more seriously, Mm -hmm. started crocheting, taught myself, uh, just I got like a children's crochet book and taught myself from that. And then it kind of went from there, you know, Mm. as we'll talk about, I uh realized that it helped me a lot with my mental health stuff and that kind of just I I ran with that and mm-hmm. um yes yeah, so that's how it started one of the really fun things was that as I got back into it my mom got back into it she hadn't oh. crocheted in like 20 years and now she crochets again so mm-hmm. that's fun so your kind of um interest in it was infectious <laughs> yeah it was it was yeah so yeah, I'd love really cool. yeah I'd love to hear more about that process of getting back into it when you were in a time in your life that was really difficult and how that was was it challenging and in what ways you felt like it was helpful sure so everything was challenging at that time it was bad 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 of depression I was having trouble you know getting out of bed leaving the house having a lot of self-esteem issues um just all the kind of things that go with depression and I was just trying to find things that would make me feel better. And I would try a bunch of different things and they just wouldn't stick or they'd feel too hard or I'd feel like I tried, of all things, I tried going to a can-can dancing class. Wow. And uh, I was, I dragged myself there and I was like embarrassed the whole time and self-conscious and it didn't work. (laughs) For whatever reason at that time, crochet did work. And I think, I shouldn't say for whatever reason, I think it worked for a few different reasons. One was... I was able to get back to it really quickly. There wasn't a huge learning curve for me. It wasn't too hard for me. So I felt I felt productive. I felt um, accomplished. I felt like it was something I could do. Also, it was something I could do in my house, in my bed. If I couldn't leave, if I couldn't talk to anyone, I could still do that. And so it really helped me feel like I, again, it gave a sense of accomplishment, a sense of purpose. Um think that was really the first way that it helped me was it made me feel like, oh, okay, yes, I can learn something new, do something new, create something that's beautiful or functional. Um, And then that started along with other things, including, you know, therapy, medication, yoga, other, you know, it wasn't just crochet, but crochet was a key part of it. It really started helping me develop a more positive cycle of being gentle with myself, um, I immediately what comes to mind is I'm thinking about with crochet, 
as opposed knitting you can you can easily correct stuff too but especially with crochet and why I've done it a lot more than knitting in part is because you can easily rip crochet back as like whenever you see a mistake and mm -hmm. easily just restart it and it was like retraining my own brain like oh I can I can make mistakes in crochet and in my life and in whatever and it doesn't matter I can go back and I can redo it and it's okay so it kind of taught me these life lessons kind of through the hands through the body through the craft mm, that's amazing so it sounds like some of that was to do with mistakes because that's something I often ask about because they mm -hmm. happen all the time in knitting and I guess probably in crochet as well mistakes can happen um and I certainly feel like I've got a lot better at tolerating them in knitting mm -hmm. and life mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah so it was interesting to hear that that was a something you realized quite early on it sounds like yeah I don't know if I even real I don't know if I consciously realized it okay um, it's something that looking back I saw later like oh that's how it was helping me I was in mm -hmm. such a fog at the time yeah um, yeah in terms of mistakes I, I have since and we can get into that I've since interviewed a lot of people about the health benefits of crochet and I've done some big projects related to that and mistakes is one of the things that comes up it's um uh, people have contributed stuff to collaborative projects I've done where they've said, I didn't want to send this because it wasn't perfect and there are mistakes, but I'm trying to embrace the idea that I'm imperfect and that's okay. We're not meant to be perfect. So if there is a little mistake, it doesn't mean that the crochet item isn't beautiful or functional. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's something that I've noticed a lot too in my own research besides yeah. my own experience. Mm. And I'd love to hear more about your work and your research. It would say sure. a bit more about, yeah, how you, because you've very much been working in the, the space of using crochet in terms of, you know, understanding that in terms of their mental health benefits. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, it's been my passion for a little over a decade, about 15 years now. Um, learning about the health benefits of crochet. And that obviously all started with my own experience. Um, I started writing a blog in 2011. It's no longer around, but I had it for uh, seven or eight years. And first it was just about all things crochet. And then more and more, I started writing about my own experiences of how it helped me. Um, I remember writing about uh, one of the early things was in depression, I just, I the world was muted. Everything was kind of muted. I was numb. There was a lot of brain fog. And when I first started crocheting, the very first colors I picked were like a blue and gray. And that's not like a super bright, colorful rainbow palette, but the but it made me start noticing, oh, I really love this blue. And then I started noticing more colors the more I crocheted. And then I started working with more colors and then I started noticing more colors in the world and emerging from that. Um, it helped me it helped me see things differently again and emerge from the depression. So that was one of an example of one of the things I wrote about on my blog and people started responding about how crochet had helped them. Oh my God, nobody's really talking about this. And that's been an amazing thing. So when I, well, okay, I'll pause for a second. So people started responding to me and I started getting more and more interested in this. I started interviewing people. I started writing a lot more about it. And that resulted in 2012. I wrote my book, Crochet Saved My Life. And what that is, is it's my story of kind of what I've been telling you. And then I interviewed about two dozen other women about their experiences with physical and mental health issues and how crochet had helped them. So I put the book together, um, wrote that. And then when I published the book, even more people like in response yeah. to that, write to me and, and let me know how it was helping them. And uh, it was really cool. It's been really cool to see when I did the research for that, I could find almost nothing published about this topic. There was a little bit about the health benefits of knitting. Um, Betson Corkill from yeah. Stitch Boots, uh, is the big name. So I, I turned to her work a lot. Um, there wasn't really anything I could find that was specific to crochet and they, they have a lot of similar benefits. So it's not that it's not that they're super different, but there are people who only crochet. And I think I wanted to really express how that specifically could be helpful to people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there was just nothing at that time. And it's been so cool to see in the last, you know, slightly over a decade, how many people are talking about this now and how, especially like, you know, pandemic times, people started really looking at crafting and the benefits of it and how it incorporates into a more holistic lifestyle and more balance. And nobody was talking about that at the time that, that I really found. So it's been really cool to see that. Um, so I wrote my book and then I just was continuing to blog and research and interview people. And I decided to go back to school and get my master's in psychology to better understand that aspect of it from a more academic perspective. Um, So I did that. And then I wrote another book, uh, Hook to Heal, which is a series of 100 exercises I created using crochet to heal or improve different aspects of life. Mm -hmm. So I did that. And then... From there, yeah, I don't know. I guess, <laughs> I guess I'll leave off there and see what else you want to know about. Yeah, it's amazing. So I have um, had a similar experience, I suppose, since having the podcast of other people getting in touch with me and sharing their stories. And I think that is ex- actually how Betts and Courthill ended up falling into, really, kind of by accident. Doing mm-hmm. having this research into therapeutic knitting because she was working at a knitting magazine as a non-knitter and discovered this filing cabinet full of letters of all of these oh, people wow. who had entered a competition, had written story like written letters about the um benefits that knitting had given to their lives. So it wasn't all about mental health, often it was about well-being more generally or physical health or bereavement Mm -hmm. or but the important role that knitting had played in their life and she was kind of uh yeah found that uh filing cabinet and wanted to do something with all of this untapped that's amazing I did not I did not know that history that's amazing yeah so she wasn't even a knitter at the time but she was a physiotherapist and had worked with people with pain so was really interested in exploring particularly that but also the other benefits of um, yeah knitting for um, well-being in general. Yeah, so I think that, you know, she also started um, in a similar way. I was thinking when you were talking about your own experiences, actually, about um, I'm, uh, as a psychologist, have now talked to all of the people I see for therapy about um, the idea of doing some form of uh, craft or activity for therapeutic benefit but often the thing that I struggle with is when somebody's in a place where you know they're really really anxious or low in mood it's quite difficult to then ask like the idea of them learning something new when you can barely get out of bed that's a challenge and I think often I end up um, talking to people about going back to something that they previously enjoyed so I don't only talk about knitting or crochet uh-huh. I, you know, we do a lot of the, the stuff you used to enjoy when you were a kid and didn't don't do anymore um, because as grown-ups, we're not so good at accessing kind of fun or creativity, I think, always. Yeah, we forget to play. Yeah, we do. <laughs> but I think, so I'm, I'm now kind of deliberately offering that as an intervention. So I talk about, you know, knitting and myself, but also encourage people to think about what else might give them a similar benefit. It's not always exactly the same but I think the most important thing is to find something that feels accessible for the person because I think you know it can be frustrating at the beginning learning Uh to knit or crochet and if you haven't got the bandwidth for that right now because life is already too challenging then it's not the right thing for you right in that moment it sounds like for you it helped that you already had done it before as a child yeah I think so. And for whatever reason, you know, some things we just take to easier than others. So I think sure. it helped that I had done it as a child. And also it just was a thing that was easy for me. And like I said, I tried a lot of different things and a lot of them didn't work, but I mm. am proud of and happy about the fact that I kept trying till I found yeah. my thing. And, you know, and then that's a, that's a positive like reinforcement loop. Once I was healing and I was doing better, I could then like, I would never have learned to knit at that time for exactly the reason you said knitting knitting is just harder for me it's um the must I don't have the muscle memory I don't have that historic experience from my childhood um it just it's learning it was more frustrating than learning crochet and I wouldn't have been able to do it at that time Mm -hmm. but that positive feedback loop of oh this thing worked for me I learned it I did it I got better at it it helped me I can try that with something new now um and I I think it helped that 
even if I never learned to knit well, I could fall back on crochet. So I still had my thing that I could be proud of. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. really, really hard when you're in that place um, of of whatever your symptoms are. Um, yeah, they're they're slightly different, but 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 similar with depression and anxiety, right? So with depression, a lot of there for me, there's a lot of like negative uh, self worth stuff, uh, self criticism, not feeling like I can do it, hopelessness about it. The flip side or the correlating thing with anxiety is like perfectionism, wanting it to be perfect, worrying that it's not well and good enough, you know, that kind of thing. So mm. different but similar. Um, it's it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to start something new. I love that. I love that you're offering that to the people that you're that you're talking with. Um, and it's like opened you- up for me some really interesting conversations that I wouldn't have otherwise had the opportunity to have, actually. So things that people were already doing. Mm. like a little tiny flame that we've been able to fan (laughs) so somebody who was already I don't know baking cupcakes when I don't know somebody had a birthday but was making beautiful cupcakes and was getting quite into the flow of the activity of it then we've just kind of nurtured that a bit more and created a few more things of like deliberately seeing that the value in that as an activity where you know you're not uh, thinking about the you know, negative thoughts at that moment, it gives you a little break. And maybe it doesn't change anything massive, but it gives you a break, which maybe means your mood is slightly less low than it would have been had you not. And there's the sense of achievement. And so there are similarities, I think, with knitting and crochet. Um, And I think the most important thing is to find something that, you know, that somebody feels they can do. Yeah, start there. that that they enjoy doing and that they feel at some level that they can be good at, whatever level that might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, and think- I think lots of these things have resulted in a useful thing. And I don't know to what extent that made a difference to you, like that you were making. So, and I don't know what you were crocheting at the beginning. I was mostly crocheting scarves and then blankets. I made so many wonky blankets <laughs> that are like completely misshapen. And then I stumbled in my research upon freeform crochet. I'm like, oh, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> it's not all mistakes. I'm doing this creative thing. Um, but yeah, the um the function of it and also the um the the feeling of creating something that other people appreciated so I would gift people even the wonky blankets my family has a ridiculous number of these wonky blankets (laughs) but I would gift things or you know just even starting to share them online and getting kind of that positive feedback oh that's beautiful or oh how'd you do that or oh it's great that you're doing that um that'll help too so it's not just the fact that a blanket was functional and cozy for me even though that like the physical coziness of crochet and knitting is definitely also part of the healing process for me yeah um the tactile the tactile benefits um but it's not just the function for me it's also that um that being able to gift it to people mm-hmm. um, and I and think I know- the feedback is helpful isn't it like I when I do my when I speak about this I talk about my like top tips for getting started with therapeutic craft and my final mm-hmm. one is always show and tell like because as grown-ups we'd get rubbish at that like with play and being creative like kids as soon as they make something they waft it in front of your nose and say look what I did look at my picture or whatever it is and we we're not so good at that as grown-ups but I think it's a great like Instagram is great for that I suppose that you can access people who will ooh and are over your uh the things you've made or you know just to have somebody you can share even if it's like an inch of crochet or knitting that Mm -hmm. will go oh that's amazing or well done or I love the color or something absolutely absolutely um yeah it just it feels good to make something it feels good to connect with community I think for it's also um connecting with community like that helps you helps me further get out of my own head you know if I'm just Crocheting alone in my house is great and beneficial and has many benefits for me. That's mm-hmm. that it, I would do it anyway. Yeah. But there's definitely another level when I've been able to share it with other people, whether online or in person, um, because I can get into the rut in my head, even with crochet, even with something I know I'm really good at and enjoy and I'm not like trying to make money off of. It's just my thing. I can still get in that rut of, oh, why am I doing this? Or this has no purpose or I'm not good at this or I could do that, you know, whatever. 
I can get in that cycle in my head. But then if I'm sharing it online and people are, I'm able to be more gentle with other people's work and therefore communicating with them, I remember to be more gentle about my own work. Mm. Um, so it helps me get out of my head in that way too. I think the community has been really powerful for me. Mm. I love the idea of, um, I'd written it down actually about that you had said crochet had helped you to be more gentle with yourself. I'd love to hear a bit more about that, like how yeah. that process works. Yeah, um, I think that was probably being learning to be gentle with myself was probably the biggest thing I needed in my 20s um, to, mm-hmm. to heal. And crochet has always helped with that. It goes, it relates to what I was saying before about the mistakes. It's like, oh, I made a mistake. No big deal. Like, it's not who cares. Um, I I don't know, you know, I don't know the science or if this is a little woo woo or whatever, but I do think there's something somatic or something sort of subconscious about literally the gentleness of yarn um, kind of helping me be gentle. (laughs) Um, I do think there's some, I don't, you know, I can't put that really into good, I can't articulate that super well, but I feel like there's some kind of like thing going on there where for me working with something soft and cozy and comfy and pretty um, is, is itself gentle. Yeah. Um, there's that. Um, it also, there's opportunities to practice patience with the craft, mm-hmm. um, in the learning also, you know, I, I don't know how many times my yarn has gotten tangled up. I have dogs. My dogs love to play with my yarn. So, you know, the yarn gets tangled and I need to untangle it and unknot it. Um, and that process of just sitting slowly and undoing something, all the slowness, even just the crafting itself, all the slowness of being present with what I'm doing right there helps me create spaciousness. And I think the spaciousness allows me to be more gentle with myself. Mm. The spaciousness allows me to be just, you know, as, as they say, a human being, not a human doing, it's not about the end product, but the process. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I remember that in the moment, it's easier to be gentle with myself. Hmm. Sure. So it sounds like it's really given you an appreciation of the importance of process generally. Yes. And... Yes, definitely. I am not, I, I actually don't care a lot about my end product. Um, hmm. Everyone's different this way. Um, I like to finish stuff. So that feels good. But as far as like, if it looks amazing at the end or any, I, it's the least important part to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's def- I mean, of course it feels great if you create something you think is beautiful and you share it and everyone thinks it's beautiful. But for me, I'm definitely much more process oriented. I definitely, um, I mean, I think back to when I was a kid and I first learned from my mom, I just crocheted a chain that was like a million miles long. <laughs> and I feel like <laughs> part of me is still that kid. Like part of it is just, well, whatever, that I'll have a chain. Maybe I'll do something with it. Who knows? Um, I'm, I am much I appreciate all aspects of the process, but I am I tend to be more process than product oriented. Mm, yeah. And I would say I'm similar and I choose the things I knit and now the things I wear because of the process that is involved in creating them. So like I'll see something and I'm attracted to the construction or the colors or the technique used. Um, and that will be why. I want to make it and then I'll love wearing it because I liked the process of making it. I love that. I love um, that. What is your relationship with the finished objects? Because I guess in terms of it's not purely aesthetic, I suppose, there is also the comfort aspect and there's also something, you know, for me is about the memories of the process of where I was at or mm-hmm. even if it's not positive necessarily, like having survived this, this is the thing that kept me company sure. through that hard thing. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear about your relationship with the finished objects. For sure. Yeah. Um, what you were saying just made me think of the author Gretchen Rubin, uh, of the happiness project. And one of her books, she writes about how, if you magnify all three stages of an activity, so the anticipation of it, and you like do things to heighten your joy of the anticipation and then the actual experience and then the savoring of it afterwards through memories or whatever. Um, you can heighten all aspects of the experience to get the most out of it. And that's something that stuck with me. And that I think relates to this. Um, there's these different stages and I I try to really embrace all parts 
Mm. The, the anticipation and the planning and what do I want to make? And um, I love, I love just yarn shopping. I don't, I'm one of the people who doesn't pick a pattern or decide a project first. I just go buy a bunch of yarn that I like. Mm-hmm. So then I start thinking, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to make? So that's the anticipation. And then obviously the making of it and then the finished product. So like I said, the finished product isn't, it is the least for me, but I, over time, I've been working with this idea that savoring it, enjoying it, sharing it, remembering it is an important part of the creative process too. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in flux with how that experience is for me, but I would say right now, um, oh, that's a good question. Let me think. I, yeah, I don't have a ton of attachment to most of my finished products, um, but I do like having them around. So I have a lot of blankets, a lot of sweaters, um, a lot of scarves, and there is, there's a coziness and a comfort. There's always a memory. Sometimes it's the memory of how I felt when I was making it. Sometimes it's the memory of, um, you know, when I bought the yarn. I I like to buy yarn on vacation too. So sometimes Mm -hmm. there's a vacation memory. Um, recently I've started making art wall hangings. So, um, those kind of infuse more mixed media, mixed media Mm -hmm. material, the yarn that adds to that, um, Mm -hmm. memory part of it. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't know if I have a complete answer. I'm, I'm a work in progress in terms of how I relate to my finished items. Sure. And I think we all are in terms of our relationship with the craft and all of those things. I guess they're changing over time and it will mean different things to us at different times in our life, I suppose, won't they? I really love that idea about um, like elevating those three different parts of the craft process, because I think actually it's something a few people have mentioned, the idea of at the planning stage, like enjoying the finding the pattern or choosing the yarn or planning the colors. And actually, um, yeah, somebody I interviewed, Ellen, who was talking about there being days where she feels too either anxious or low to actually knit or crochet. But what she can do is wind yarn or sit and mm-hmm. uh, hang out with her yarn stash or, you know, so I guess she could still like by separating into those three stages she's still in one of those stages like the planning stage or looking at all the potential of the yarn I think she said and um yeah I really love that idea about um yeah elevating each of those three parts of the process yeah yeah uh in regards to the the planning stage also I wasn't conscious of it at the time but one of the healing parts through depression and I've I've I, so I have recurring depression. Um, it's pretty well treated, but it does come back. So I've had bouts of it since since that first time. And crochet has always been a part of my healing process through that. And um, I didn't realize it initially, but came to realize that part of the learning to be excited or, or focusing on the small excitement of the planning stages. Uh, help. So in depression, it's like I didn't, it's not that I wanted to die. I just didn't want to deal with living mm. and I I had trouble looking forward right like tomorrow felt heavy it didn't feel exciting it felt heavy yeah. it, felt hard. it felt like oh I have to get through another day and then another day and then another so learning in that moment to be excited about the next thing meaning you know the next yarn I was going to use the next project the next thing I was going to write about it um helped me helps me, helps me move out of being stuck, ruminating in this moment and dreading tomorrow and instead move into more of an excited feeling. And I think for me, I think it's probably true for others, but I know for me, once I can get that feeling going in my brain and in my body that there is something to look forward to, no matter how small, it helps helps me in all aspects and starts making me feel better about life in general and living in general. So, Mm. yeah. So the idea of that, yeah, finding a little spark of joy or excitement about the next step of the craft. Yeah. yeah. And I think that is one of the things that's really helpful about like crafts like knitting and crochet is that you can break them down into super tiny um, increments, can't you? That yes. even if you're feeling really overwhelmed by hard feelings that you could do a tiny stitch that contributes to a bigger goal that's still getting you a little bit closer when there's so much so many activities would feel like too much like you said you know they involve leaving your house or your bed or you know 
dealing with other humans or you know all yeah, these things yeah. that that are really challenging yeah um yeah yeah okay yeah. that's amazing how much for uh, in part does the color play in terms of the therapeutic benefit for you it does. It, uh, that's a good question. I've thought I, I, it's funny because I would have had an answer to this, you know, a year ago. That's probably different than at, right at this moment. Um, I mean, I think color is super powerful. There's, a, you know, all the all the stuff that we know about how color impacts mood. Um, hmm. I don't, I honestly don't know how I feel about that right now. I feel like I've been working in the same colors for a while. Actually, it's been interesting in the last year, I've been revisiting that blue and gray mm -hmm. color palette that I had started with to begin with, to in, initially. Um, I've been intentionally revisiting that and exploring what I can do with just those two colors in terms of texture and in terms of incorporating um, the mixed media materials and creating art from that. So I'm in kind of, I think that's why I'm having a hard time answering. I'm in kind of a limited color palette, but at oh, the same time, at the same time, that's, that's intentional. And, uh, I'm exploring the impact of that. I'm exploring when I'm not focusing on color. So I would say for the, for a few years before that, I was doing a lot of really colorful work. I was doing a lot of multi-stranded knitting and crochet. Mm -hmm. So I would combine, uh, different colors and create um and create very very colorful usually blankets and now i'm experiencing something different as i'm working with this limited color palette and i for me it's neither bad nor good it's just the curiosity of what is different for me when i'm looking at texture instead of color mm. so it's kind of where i'm at with it so it's like you've moved your creative uh agenda onto texture rather than color yeah. Yeah. To explore I think, that. Yeah. As a as specifically as a part of trying to be more embodied, um, color is visu visually beautiful, but um, obviously texture you, you you're touching it. It's more more grounding is probably okay. the way I'm looking yeah. for. So focusing on the texture is a more grounding experience for me, which is more of what I've needed right now. Mm. And does it matter for you? at any point what you're making like the types of stitches you're using or the I don't know project you're working on yeah um I <laughs> so I know how to do a lot of stuff in crochet once I started writing about crochet I actually started blogging about crochet for like all the major blogs and yarn stores I was all over the place for a few years I did a lot of patterns. So I learned, I learned as a lot. I learned a lot of techniques, a lot of stitches. Um, I, one of the things I love about crochet and knitting is that you can do so much with so little knowledge, but then there's always also more if you want to learn yeah. more. Um, that said, so there's, there's something very, uh, a feeling of productivity or pleasure in learning those new things and becoming accomplished at them. But that said, for me, I almost always go back to super basic stitches and meditative crochet. Mm -hmm. um, I I love making a large granny square just over and over because you don't even have to count for that. Mm -hmm. You just go in a circle and it gets into this like meditative flow state. And um, I, yeah, it's, it, it just, feels better for my brain to craft that way most of the time every now and then when my brain's really busy and that when my brain's super busy and more on the anxious side than the depressed side if I'm feeling anxious um something meditative and easy like that might not be enough it might not be enough of a distraction to actually ground me in the moment um, in which case I might choose to follow a pattern or work with a more complicated stitch or do something that requires a little more counting um, to get me more grounded if I notice like, okay, I'm not in my body. I'm not in this present moment. I'm not like here. Um, sometimes I'll use more complicated stitches or patterns to achieve that. But for the most part, I just really, I make large granny squares. I, I make squares and rectangles of like, all kinds and just turn them into something after usually. Okay. So it sounds like you are very intentional about using it for what you need it for, for your like mental health or well-being in that moment. And that's your, your angle. 
of accessing the craft. Yeah, almost yeah. always. Um, it yeah. wasn't, yeah, I think I came to it that way. And I think I've been very intentional, even though I did a lot of, I, even though I did and do a lot of writing about crochet, um, I mostly have not sold my crochet items or I've not made a business about the actual create yeah. things I create. Um, and that's been very intentional because I am, I'm a writer as an, as an artist, I'm a writer primarily. And there are very big pros and cons to having the thing you love to do creatively yeah. that makes you money. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've very intentionally kept crochet as specifically a fun and healing thing with emphasis on healing. So yeah, yeah. I come at it that way a lot. Yeah, I can relate to that. I would struggle with and have avoided anything that involves a deadline or a specific <laughs> other than, you know, knitting gifts when I want to. But even then right. I would make sure I had a really long time frame so I didn't ever feel like, oh, I'm knitting on this because I have to rather than right. being able to choose from the few projects I've got on the go to feel like, what do I need right now? Do I need something that's very easy and meditative or do I need something complicated so I can't also simultaneously think about work stress or something like that yeah it sounds like you experienced that too that sometimes you want the simple project and sometimes you need something more complicated for your brain I think yeah definitely I think it's a really common thing actually with you know those of us who do it daily to uh, knit or crochet to kind of have that yeah I definitely need a range of things on my needles at any one time so that I can pick up the thing that works for that moment yeah yeah. Um, one of the, one of the things, and you know, you were saying earlier about um, it doesn't have to be knitting or crochet; it can be whatever craft or or art that you're that you liked as a child or are into, or that you get you feel good about. And that's absolutely true. But one of the things about knitting and crochet that I've found is very different from most other arts and crafts is that exactly what you said. You can pick it up and put it down. Mm. You can pick it up and put it down, um, especially crochet knitting too, but um, but especially crochet since each stitch is its own thing. You yeah. don't have to get into the row or anything. Um, it's so portable. You're, you're, you can take it almost anywhere. It's so accessible versus like, you know, baking or, yeah. um, or painting. Yeah. Um, the accessibility of knitting and crochet, I think, is what makes it appealing to a lot yeah. of us. And I sew as well, like dress make, and mm. I don't do that anywhere near as often because it just, I don't, it's not, I don't have anywhere in my house to leave it out. You know, I have right. to set up yeah. and, you know, like just winding a bobbin or something like that. It means that you've got at least 10 minutes of setup before you can actually right. do the thing. So you would need right. quite long stretches of time in order to do anything meaningful whereas with knitting you can literally do two stitches while you're right yeah waiting yeah for to boil or yeah and even that like in the worst worst periods of depression I can still crochet one row or one stitch and so yeah. even that is like I don't have you know and like you said I don't have to do a whole setup in depression I I can't imagine myself that just feels too hard. The the setup of a sewing machine, for example, or yeah. the setup of, you know, a loom or anything like just the, it's so daunting just to begin with um, that I would never get started, but yarn and a hook, like, okay, I can crochet two stitches and at least I crocheted two stitches today. Like yeah. that's, that's something and it builds on itself. Yeah. So, sure. Yeah. Catherine, I'd love to hear about a significant project for you, something significant that you've made. I, my favorite project that I've done, it's a collaborative, it's a big collaborative project. Um, I was doing, so when I did Crochet Save My Life, when I wrote that book, I interviewed Marinke Slump, mm -hmm. uh, who was a crochet designer, but she was a crocheter and became a crochet designer. Um, she had Asperger's and dealt with some depression symptoms. And I interviewed her when she was doing very well about how it had helped, how crochet had helped her. Um, she went on in the next few years after the publication of that book to become fairly well known for designing crochet mandalas. Um, she had a blog called a creative being and she crocheted mandala designs and she got kind of known for that. Mm -hmm. And then one day I go to her blog and it's a note from her sister saying that she died by suicide. Wow. I'm so and sorry. I I was just, God, I was so impacted. And it's, you know, it's, 
it's so many things happen at once. It was, you know, the sadness of it, of course. And then the weird feeling of, of this world we live in now where I can be so close to someone I've never met in person or never even spoke. We never even Mm. spoke. Um, But I felt so close to her. And how do you process grief, uh, that kind of grief? It's different. I don't know. We're, we're learning this as a society. Yeah. Um, So I ended up just, you know, turning to crochet, of course, and posting on the blog. And I decided to do a project to raise awareness about depression and suicide and, um, and crafting to heal. And I called it Mandalas for Marinke. And I had no idea, you know, my only goal really was to crochet mandalas myself until I felt better. But I invited anyone who wanted to, to crochet mandala and uh, send me anything they wanted to share about these topics and it turned into two years of receiving mail and posting on my blog. Um, I received over a thousand crochet mandalas. Wow. And um, there were about 300 contributors who shared their words with me. And uh, I would post regularly. And then that turned into, it's sort of a coffee table book. So it's um, it's kind of snippets of things people had said and then art from, you know, photos of the mandalas. Yeah. And I collaborated. I reached out to Thread. Uh, oh my God. Threadwinners? Oh, that does not sound right. That's got to be right. Uh, sorry, I'm blanking. Thre- Threadwinners. That does not sound right. That's so weird. Alyssa and Liz. I, we're, we're friends now, so I forget their online name. Yeah. Uh, I will send it to you. To, to But um, but I reached out to them, was like, hey, I want to do an art show. I know you guys like have some kind of experience with that, your crocheters. Uh, you know, any thoughts. And we ended up collaborating and doing two art gallery shows in LA of the mandalas. We did book readings. We did uh, what we called healing circles. So, you know, mandalas are circles. So we had like little circles of healing. We did, we taught crochet. We talked about the benefits. Um, my brother, my brother does pet therapy with uh, a pack of dogs. So he brought his dogs to one of the art galleries. Oh, wow. And had, you know, like therapy from them. Um, kind of talked about the different the different ways to access uh, well being, whether it's hands on crafting or petting a dog or, you know, the things that aren't just sitting down and talking like you do in traditional therapy. Um, we talked about that. So that all of that is to say that of everything I've ever done, um, of my own projects or anything I've ever done, that is the project I'm most proud of. Um, oh. it, so many people came together and shared. I think that's why I'm proud of it. I'm just so humbled. Um, and I, I imagine you've had this experience with the podcast. I'm so humbled by what people will share with me mm. and allow me to share with others to sp- kind of spread this message and awareness about crafting. And I think it's when it's something that's been really important for you and maybe you don't, like I don't have that many knitters who I see in my physical daily right. life. Or certainly not people who feel all the same way I do about it. You know, they might be right. very occasional knitters. And it's amazing to hear, you know, somebody saying uh, something you think, oh, that is exactly how I feel about that thing. Or, you know, I yeah. really relate to feeling it's that, you know, kind of validates your experience of yes. feeling how important it is. Um, whereas, yeah, certainly there are other people in my life who think it's all uh slightly strange <laughs> to be honest <laughs> yes validating that's exactly the right word that you you have exactly the right word it's so validating um when when someone else resonates and shares their experience yes this helped heal me too and then I can go on and tell that to someone else and hopefully they can feel that same validation and and build upon that yeah and I've definitely had the same experience of yeah putting this podcast out and then I get emails from other people who say oh thank you so much for doing that because I feel exactly the same way and that for me is the biggest reward for doing this you know that's why I keep doing it because I really love the idea that there's somebody out there listening who feels like oh wow that I feel like that way too yes um yeah exactly and you know that there are other people out there who think you know how important it's been in their own personal journey with their mental health yeah and I'm sure it helped a lot of other people who cared about Marinka who you know to go through that that loss as well to to feel that they could do something constructive while going through their grief 
Yes. Yes. People, people said that people said how much it helped them, sure. um, which was just, like I said, it's very humbling, like that I could use the platform I had at that time to offer that to people. Um, one of, one of the most special things was uh, about a year into the project, her, her mom found out about the project and reached out to me. And I sent books when the books were created, I sent books to her family um, mm. showing what she'd done. Um, which was just a really special, special aspect of that, that I could hopefully bring some kind of comfort or healing to the family and showing how much she had impacted other people. Yeah. This yeah. And that must have been amazing for them to learn that. And I don't know whether they were in the world of crochet or outside of it, but to see that your loved one has made such an impact on other people and was so kind of valued that must be really yeah i really you know, i touching i imagine i imagine you know they they were in their grief and didn't share a whole lot about that with me about their experience of it but i hope and imagine that um seeing that was helpful for them yeah sure oh thank you so much for sharing that we talked um a bit about it already but i'm interested in your relationship to uh, a yarn stash or you know buying yarn because <laughs> uh. I think it's something that lots of people have yeah different views or feelings about <laughs> it's such a fun topic it's such a fun topic I actually I I was planning to do a workshop last spring and then it kind of didn't work out because of personal stuff um, I'm hoping to do it next spring as an annual spring cleaning type of thing mm -hmm. uh, that's all about your yarn stash and your relationship with it and whether you want to declutter it or organize it. Like, what does it say about you? Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a topic I'm endlessly fascinated about. Have you um, read A Stash of One's Own? Clara I Parks's. have it in my house and I have not read it yet. Oh, it's a great um, book. You should it. read it. Yeah. I, I definitely, it's, it's up on the list. I have so many, I have so many things I want to read. Yeah. Sure. Um, but yeah, no, I will definitely. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to read that book for for that. Yeah, um, it's a topic I'm super interested in. For me, um, how do I feel about it right now? So I live in San Francisco. I live in a small apartment, um, not a lot of storage space. And I have two dogs who are about 100 pounds each. Mm -hmm. So wow. um, I physically can't keep a huge stash in my house. Yeah. Um, and yet somehow <laughs> I have yarn in drawers and yarn on shelves and I have lots of finished items that just don't have a home or a place and they're just kind of tucked away. Um, I have, I guess I have mixed, I have mixed feelings. I always want to have a, I always want to have enough yarn stash around me to feel that excitement like I said that excitement for tomorrow if there's if there's a bunch of yarn around I'm gonna make something tomorrow's gonna happen I'm gonna make something it's gonna be fun I'm gonna do something interesting don't know mm -hmm. what it is yet yeah uh, but so I like to have enough around and including enough visible to me so like I sometimes I display it like uh, you know in a in a in a bowl or on a mantle or mm -hmm. you know something that just to inspire me and remind me to, as a, it's a touchstone um for yeah me. So, having enough for that. Um, I do always like buying yarn from independent stores when I'm traveling. So um, a lot of times I'll get something special to that place. And then I, it'll take a long time before I ever use it. Cause I don't know what I want to use it for. Uh, as I've been making these more mixed media crochet wall hangings, I have been using stuff, those things more, more readily or more frequently because there's not as much, you know, when you have a, when you have a sweater, you need a certain, the yarn all needs to be the same weight or whatnot. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You know, with an art wall hanging, it's easier to incorporate all the different weights and colors and stuff mm -hmm. into it. I've been using it, using stuff more quickly. Um, yeah. I mean, I, so I, I mentioned, I think to you briefly that I used to work with Marley Bird, uh, who is a knitting crochet and knitting author and instructor. And I went and visited her at her studio, her home studio, and it's a huge built out basement and she's got all the like every yarn, like, or she's basically got a yarn store and like <laughs> a, a video recording studio. And I definitely, when I was in there, I was like, oh, that would be nice. Like that yeah. would be inspiring. Like, that's cool. Um, 
realistically, I don't know that I'd want to have that much of a yarn stash though. And that, I don't know. I don't know. I've mixed feelings about it. Mm. Um, I felt a slight pressure. I felt a pressure when I have, I have zero stash. I don't buy yarn. Yeah. Well, so it's partly because of, um, yeah, living in a house where there were moths in a Victorian Mm -hmm. house, you just can't get, they're impossible to get rid of. So I don't want to store things that are just going to get ruined before I've even had a chance to (laughs) get my therapeutic benefit from it. Um, Yeah. So, so there's partly that because it's stressful enough storing finished items and keeping them safe. So there's that, but I also noticed finding, and I'd ended up inheriting a bit of kind of stash from my mum who was clearing out and that kind of thing. But um, I felt like a, slightly pressure to use the yarn that I had rather than buying new when I was casting on a new project and it wasn't always like you say the right thickness of yarn or the right amount for what I wanted to make and I felt like that that would that marriage very rarely happened you know in the right way that I had would have the right exactly the right thing that I wanted and I felt like it took a bit of the excitement and joy away from planning a new project if you were doing it in, oh, well, I've got this DK weight yarn, mm, I should probably use it, even though I didn't want the sweater to be blue, I wanted it to be purple or something like that. So then I felt like I'd rather have, I would only buy things when I had a project in mind. So that is where I've got to now, but I still have leftovers. So that is my stash. And right now I'm knitting a sweater that's entirely out of different combinations of leftover yarns. And that's really fun Um, and free. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I'm still, yeah, but often I don't have a a kind of inspiring stash, I suppose, in the same way maybe that you might do. There are no whole skeins of yarn. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's so interesting how each of us, um, you know, I mean, this is a very, in a way, a very small niche yarn crafting, right? It's a very, very small world compared to the big world of of art or of the big world in general. it's so interesting. So in that way, we're all similar. And yeah. those of us who specifically feel the health benefits of it, the, the well-being aspects are even more a smaller subsection. They're very similar. And yet we have these differences. And I think that's one of the coolest things about there is no right or wrong way. You know, there's no right or wrong way to heal through yarn. And um, I think if we can stay open and curious, like, oh, do I want a stash or not? Do I feel good? Like you said, like, Like I would, I would, when you say I have no stash, I would feel panicky having no stash. Mm -hmm. Like I need to have some around because, oh my God, what if I, I, and it's probably not going to happen, but what if I get so depressed tomorrow that I can't ever get out of bed ever again and I don't have yarn? Um, I just have leftover yarn. Right. There there is yarn. Sure, (laughs) sure. It still makes me feel panicky. I still want at least something to choose from. Um, But I think that's exactly, you're exactly right, aren't you? That that it's so versatile a craft that you and I could want very different things from it and still get both of us what we need. But what we each need to do is to tune into what we need and use it in that way rather than getting caught up in there being a way to access it because I think sometimes I get people who you know when I've planned retreats and things have said oh I don't know if I'm a good enough knitter or I don't know if I'm you know oh I'm nowhere near as good as you are or all of these things and I'm like you could get the exact same you know as great therapeutic benefits from only ever learning the knit stitch even if you've been the pearl stitch and don't even bother with that and you all you ever do is knit that um or if you learn all of the complicated brioche techniques and do all of that steaking and all of the most, um, you know, technical stuff that, you know, could still give you great therapeutic benefits, or it might actually be not at all what you need for your mental health. But the trick is that neither of those is better than the other. It's just tuning into what do I need right now? And that's the the real uh, trick, I suppose, of it being helpful. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And for me, that's true of the rest of life too. Like nobody knows how to do life. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, there's no, there's no way to parent or to heal or to create your career. Like there's no right way. I think the great thing for, for me and other people I've seen with knitting and crochet is you can, I can tune into what's right for me in crochet because it's low stakes. Like I yeah. might discover I hate having a dash or I might discover I 
Kate learning. I mean, so when I tried, when I did learn knitting, I really didn't go into any advanced techniques because by then I knew I like just doing simple stuff. That's where I'm at. That's what I want. Um, But I didn't know that about myself when I started crochet. So I learned that about myself, but it's low stakes. It's not, the world's not going to end. My finances aren't going to, you know, completely disappear because I made this choice and figured out it wasn't right for me. And learning how to trust myself in that low stakes and be curious and take risks and all these things in the low, the relatively low stakes world of crafting helps build that muscle so that I feel better to do it in the rest mm. of my life. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, maybe I don't need to, you know, work 40 hours at a computer or whatever the thing is that I thought I had to do. I am now able to be more curious and take a chance and see what works for me because yeah. I've seen in craft in this low stakes way, how exploring like that allows me to trust myself Mm. and it's interesting isn't it I was thinking about something similar in terms of it being allowing you to be a different version of yourself too because of the low stakes thing because I um when I was watching a Stephen West who's a a knitting designer um talk about his mystery knit along and the idea about lots of people expressing fear that they could never do that and he was talking about oh this is like a roller coaster and I was interesting because I was thinking about um doing this mystery knit along and I was thinking actually knitting is a thing I'm not scared of like I'm generally Mm -hmm. would not consider myself a risk taker nor do I like roller coasters but in this world I'm like oh I can experiment with my identity of being somebody who's very brave and a risk taker because I would do a mystery knit along without any fear whatsoever um, and it was interesting to me that other people might feel fear about that, yeah. I suppose. And I thought, oh, then I can, uh, yeah, have a chance at being a person who's brave or a risk taker, which is quite novel for me. <laughs> I love I love that so much. And I, I will have to, uh, if you can send it to me, I'd love to listen to that Stephen West thing. Um, a mystery crochet along is one of the exercises in my, and variations on it in my book, Hook to Heal, for exactly that reason, um, that some people will be, with all of the exercises in the book, some people will be very turned off or scared or, oh, that's not for me. That's fine. You don't have to try it. But also, what if you did? Like, what if you tried being this person just in this one project, just for right now and seeing how it feels? That yeah. can open up amazing things. Yeah. Um, and it, and it is because I... of the low stakes thing, I think, isn't it? It's because what's yeah. the worst that could happen? You've still got yeah. the the hook or the two sticks and the ball of yarn just unravel it (laughs) yeah exactly exactly which um you know again like with painting or baking yeah you can always start over but you can't like you know you have to buy new new products to do that with crochet and knitting you can just go back to the beginning and try again and I think that's just an amazing part of that craft that's like oh okay and just try again it's not a big deal yeah Um, it's very freeing um, isn't it the making mistakes thing that we're talking about earlier is another one of those things uh I use I use exercises like purposely put a mistake in your work and just leave it. Or when you see a mistake, leave it there and see how you feel. And for me, like, I don't, that's not something that bothers me, but some people can't, like they can't leave a mistake in the work. And to me, that's a great opportunity to just explore why, like, why that's fine. You know, okay, go back and fix it. But why do you feel that way? And what does it tell you about mistakes? And what does it tell you about how you feel about perfection? And there's so much opportunity to learn through that if if you want to do that self-exploration. Mm. Um, and again, also to try good. out doing something that you wouldn't do in your normal life where maybe mistakes are a bigger deal. You know, I work a lot with health professionals and, you know, yeah. in some of those jobs, a mistake is a very big deal if you're a pharmacist or a nurse or Absolutely. a doctor. And um, the idea of having this opportunity in this low stakes environment where you can go, okay, I'm going to just live with it or I'm going to see how it feels or I'm going to, no, I can't do that. I'm going to rip it out. And there's no right or wrong way. It's whichever you or I can live with the best and your way might be different to mine, but they're both fine. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Catherine, I'd love to hear about something you do outside of, uh, craft or yarn that benefits your mental health absolutely um I I do a lot of stuff because I have uh because I've had such a struggle with depression I've really worked on putting lots of tools in the toolbox because not everything's going to work at the same you know I crochet regularly now for mental health but sometimes it doesn't help and I need something else so that's a great question um 
I mentioned my brother does pack therapy. Uh, animals kind of are a thing in our family. So dogs for me are a big mental health joy. I have two. Um, so petting them, playing with them, being in the moment with them. They're so silly and goofy. Uh, <laughs> that's some, that's like, that, that feels good to me and helps me be in the moment and out of my own head. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're so good for that aren't they because they are only so good for that because they, they're not worried <laughs> like they're not worrying about tomorrow <laughs> um even the dogs with trauma are not like they might have a fear of what's happening right now but they're not like depressed or I don't it's different it's 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 a good reminder of being in the moment um even when I didn't have my own dogs I would go to the dog park and just watch dogs play like watching dogs play is like oh that's joy that's joy to me I love that and they are the ultimate non-judgmental presence, aren't they? Oh yeah, oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And you know, and they're cuddly, so there's you know there's a tactile benefit too. I I have big dogs, so you know I can just cuddle right up with them, and yeah. Um, so that's a big thing that I do. Um, over time, some of the other things that have helped me. So medica- I take medication. I uh, I've done therapy of different kinds. I uh, I try to get embodied and sometimes yoga and walking, um, works for me. Sometimes it doesn't, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I body I'm working on that. I'm working on being a more embodied, less head person. So that's, um, that's, yeah, that's something. So like one of the reasons that one of the, not the reasons, one of the things I like about crochet is that, it allows me to get into a meditative state without just sitting there focusing on my breath. Because for me, that traditional like sit and focus on your breath uh, is very anxiety producing. I I feel like I can't breathe when I'm thinking about my breath. Um, But if I pair my breath with stitches or I ignore my breath and just do crochet, I can get, I can achieve meditative, uh, a meditative state. So uh, I think in that sense, it helps me be more embodied than some of those other things. Um, I think something I've heard a lot is, you know, people saying, oh, I'm really rubbish at meditating, but I find knitting (laughs) a way of helping me access that kind of mindful moment of being in the here and now and not so much in my head where I'm thinking about the yesterday or the tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or or even. I will find like I am thinking still because I have a very I have a very noisy brain. Um, I am thinking still, but I I can achieve more of that. You know, there's that there's that approach to meditation or mindfulness where you just kind of let the thoughts come in, let the thoughts go out. You notice the thought, you let it go. You don't attach to it. And I'm able to do that much more easily when I'm crocheting or knitting. Um, or so it creates generally. a bit of distance from yeah, the thoughts. Like, so you oh, don't get okay, so the thoughts in. are there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. I always end with asking what's the greatest gift that crochet has given you for the rest of your life? So what for you would it be, Catherine? The greatest gift. I mean, I I I guess two there's there's two. I have two greatest gifts. Yeah. One is what I was saying before about the community, the community that it has brought me to through this work. Um you know, it's just, it's, I can go anywhere in the world and I can see someone crocheting or knitting and we have something in common. And, um, so that's, that's, uh, that's a huge one and I don't want to leave it out. Yeah. But even bigger than that is I really believe it was key to saving my life. I was, I was bad depressed and I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't found it and hadn't mm-hmm. found the therapist I did at the time, who knows, but I did find it. And I really credit it with being a thing that saved my life and continues to uh, contribute to my healing, my, my well-being in a way that makes me excited about living. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's really contributed to giving you that excitement for living. That. It really has. It's a mm. uh, yeah, yeah. It's helped me in in the lowest times have some reason to live. Which you know, when I first when I first wrote that online, I felt embarrassed or or, or like no one would understand that because how can crocheting something make you want to live? But now that I've talked with literally hundreds of people who have had this experience, I'm yeah. like okay it's a it's a thing it really that's it the greatest benefit it has given me is made me 
want to live over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what could be more important than that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been such a pleasure, Catherine, talking Thank to you. you and hearing about your work. Thank you. And I'm sure people want to hear, find out more about the work that you're doing. Where is the best place for them to do that? How can they find out about what you're up to? I would say the best place is go to my Instagram at create me free. And if you go to the link in the bio, there's a link tree there that has links to other things, including uh, my, I do a newsletter on Substack. That's where I do almost all of my writing. So um, I've kind of expanded. I spent about 10 years focusing specifically on the mental health benefits of crochet. Now I've expanded to looking at all kinds of different art and the more complex and nuanced relationship between art and mental health. So how do our mental health symptoms impact creativity in different ways? Um, And I write a lot about that uh, on Substack. So there's a link to that and... I think there's a link to my website and some other things. So if you find me on Instagram under create me free, then you can find my books and the rest of my stuff. Perfect. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Why I Knit podcast. If you'd like to find out more about my work, you can visit my website, which is therapeuticknitting.org. You can also support the podcast by donating monthly on Patreon. You can find out more by visiting patreon.com forward slash therapeutic knitting. You can also follow me on Instagram at knitting is therapeutic. I always love to get your suggestions for people to interview for the podcast. So if you or someone you know would make a great guest on the podcast, then please do get in touch and let me know. You can email me at mia at therapeuticknitting.org or you can get in touch with me by direct message on Instagram.